Amen. Thank you, Brother Ronnie. <clears throat> and of course, our text is coming from uh, Philippians chapter 1, but I'll remind you, I've started back a long time ago. I don't really remember how long it was on Sunday night preaching through the book of Galatians. And of course, I got stuck a long time ago in chapter 6. And uh, that's all right. I don't mind that because there's so many uh, things that are precious there. And I'll just remind you of where we are in our study. We found that in chapter number 6, the, the Bible tells us to be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And of course, we're all familiar with that verse of Scripture. And uh, I just felt led to uh, bring some messages to you about, it, it talks about sowing to the Spirit and sowing to the flesh. And it, it just dawned on me that there were ways in our, in our Bibles to teach us how to sow to the Spirit, sow to the Spirit. So I started bringing messages on that and come down to the last part of that, that being prayer. That is an obvious way that we sow to the Spirit. Because I brought some messages showing that uh, every true prayer is initiated by the Holy Spirit. That the Bible tells us we don't know what to pray for. And we depend on the Spirit of the Lord to lay our prayers on our hearts. And, and I've encouraged you that whenever you're burdened for, about something or someone the Holy Spirit may be laying that on your heart. And so in our prayer life, we can sow to the Spirit. And then there's a verse in that sixth chapter that says this, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially them who are of the household of the faith. And so I brought several messages on how to pray for the unsaved, uh, for all men, as distinguished from those who are of the household of the faith. And so we studied that, and then for a while I've been addressing that matter of praying for those who are of the household of the faith. And I shared with you scripture passages that show that our church falls into that category. Our brothers and sisters in the Lord that are a part of our church. You remember I brought a message on the priorities of our prayer life. We have a duty to pray for uh, our immediate family and for our church family. And I, I knew a man one time that he, every time that he prayed, he would say this. He would pray whatever he was going to say and then he would say, for whoever it's our duty to pray for. I don't know whether he had anybody in mind when he State would state that in his prayer, but we do have those it is our duty, our duty to pray for. And so we have that uh, opportunity, opportunity and responsibility to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then uh, I started this part of our study, uh, ways that we can pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, what, what is it that we can pray for? What is it we can ask for? And uh, I shared with you that 
the prayers that are prayed in the New Testament for believers are a good indication of what we can pray for. And I, I made a list and these things I have uh, covered and I have this if you want to uh, copy these things down if you've missed it and everything because I encourage folks to take notes related to this. And, and, and uh, ask the Lord if you are not in accustomed to praying for your brothers and sisters in the Lord, ask the Lord to lay somebody on your heart and that you can pray for. But we looked at praying for strength. Praying that uh, one be rooted and grounded in love. And to know the love of Christ. And to be filled with all the fullness of God. Now these, these are things that actually was prayed for in our New Testament. For wisdom and revelation. That our eyes would be opened. And that we might know the hope of His calling. And the riches of His glory. And His mighty power. Those are some of the things that I've brought to your attention. And so tonight, we want to look in Philippians chapter number 1. And uh, the last time I brought a message from, from this, uh, I used this text, and I want to remind you again of what it says. I, I, verse 9 is our text verse. And verse 9 says this, And this I pray, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's praying for the Christians at Philippi. And uh, he says, this I pray, that your love may abound more and more. And then uh, he goes on in that verse and says, in knowledge and in all judgment, or that would be discernment. And so that's what this verse says. And um, I had brought this to your mind. I, I would remind you of of some words that go before. I, I will remind you of verse number 3. I thank my God on every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making requests with joy. Now I want you to know that Paul was one who prayed for the, his brothers and sisters in Christ that he knew about, and he did so with joy. The joy of being able to lift others up in prayer. He goes on to say, for the fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And then one of my favorite verses in this chapter, being confident in this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. And you know, I say this all the time, and I believe it firmly. What God starts, he always finishes it. And uh, if you know of some instance where the finishing was not there, and it could very well be that God didn't start nothing there. And so that's a, that's a good point. And so in, in Paul's praying for them, he prays these words, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. And I would remind you too, I remember in, in when we were looking at the book of Ephesians uh, that Paul's burden for the church at Ephesus was for the church. And I, I thought this, this is a good uh, reason and opportunity to pray for our church family, for individuals as the Lord may lay them on our heart, is for the good of the church. And you remember Paul told the Christians at Corinth that uh, seeing your zealous of spiritual gifts, 
seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church, to the building up of the church. The Lord loved the church, and He gave Himself for it, the Bible says. And when we pray for its uh, edifying, its building up, it's pleasing to the Lord when we do that. So I, I want to call your attention to this verse. And uh, one of the things that I want to do, and uh, every once in a while I'll lead you through a series of Scripture passages to bring something out that I think is special and unique. And what I think is special and unique is this word, abound. The word abound, I'm going to give you a definition of the Greek word. It means to excel uh, beyond a fixed number or measure. O- over a fixed number or, or measure. To overflow is what that word means. And so... It blesses our heart when we find that word and we look at it how it's used uh, in the Scripture. So I want you to go through a little journey with me if you don't mind. And we'll start in Matthew and chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5, and I want to share with you ways that that word is used. In Matthew 5 will be the first time that we look at this. And we find it in the 20th verse. Matthew 5 and verse 20. Here's what Jesus said. And I say it, for I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. I can remember uh, several times over the years being asked questions about that. Because sometimes people think, Well, the scribes and Pharisees in Bible days were the most religious people there was. But if you're really familiar with the New Testament, you understand that Christ was more critical of them than He was of anyone else. He called them hypocrites because their religion was not true religion. So the word exceed is the same Greek word. And the reason that this is important it, it teaches us in the, in the book of Romans, and I'll call this to your attention. It's in chapter number 10. And here's Paul's prayer, beginning in verse number 1. He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God uh, for Israel is that they might be saved. He says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. And here's what the problem was. He says this, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So that's what the problem was. They trusted in their own righteousness. And so they had not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. So in that verse that we just read, verse 20 of chapter 5, when he says this, For I say unto you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribe and Pharisee, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, how am I righteous tonight? And anyone who is truly saved is a righteous individual. And we're righteous because... The righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us, has been counted for us. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. 
And so that's the right righteousness. And of course, anyone who is a true believer and has trusted in the Lord for His righteousness that is imputed and imparted, both of them, then your righteousness does exceed that of the scribe and Pharisee as they're, uh, as they're taught in the Scripture. So that word exceed, that means to go over and above. It means to uh, uh, exceed a set number or measure along that way. Now I would call your attention to another one. And this is in chapter 13 of the book of Matthew. And it's found in the 12th verse. Matthew 13 and verse number 12. And I'll back up to verse number 10. I think this is an awesome statement that is made. Uh, And Jesus has been teaching with parables. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speaketh thou unto them in parables? And then this awesome verse. And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. And what that verse teaches us is, how is it that we know the mysteries of the kingdom? It has to be given to us. It's not that we don't study our Bible, and not that we don't come to learn it, but it must be given. And so he goes on to say, For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. That word abundance is that same Greek word that is abound. He shall have more abundance. Then he goes on to say, But whosoever hath not from him it shall be taken away even that he hath. And so uh, we're, we're, we find from there that one can go backward in this matter of understanding and knowledge. We can lose what it is we have. And in another place, I think it says that which we thought we had. And so he gives more. That which he has given us, he gives more abundance. And so we're thankful for that. Then in the 14th chapter of Matthew, and in the 20th verse, and here's what it says, and we we would know this setting really well. I think it's one of the most awesome miracles found in the New Testament. One of the most awesome miracles. Where Jesus uh, crowd, an awesome crowd. And, and we know from this passage of Scripture that there was 5,000 men. Can you imagine that? And, and the Bible even tells us not counting the women and children that were gathered. 5,000 men. The disciples came to the Lord and said, Lord, send them away. They're going to perish. They're all out here in the wilderness area and they don't have anything to eat and he said we'll have them sit down and we'll feed them what do you have and the only thing they had was a little boy's lunch can you imagine what it would have been like uh, to have been uh, one of the disciples when Jesus uh, made that statement have them sit down we'll feed them and the Bible says that he took that little boy's lunch and he blessed it and he gave it unto them, and they began to distribute it among all of that awesome crowd that was there. And then the Bible makes the miracle even more impressive because when they had fed everyone, and they go to pick up the fragments that remained, it says in this verse 20, and they did all eat 
and were filled. They didn't just get a little snack. They got everything they wanted. And were filled, the Bible says, and they took up the fragments that remained. Twelve baskets full. Twelve baskets full. One time I remember years ago, I got to researching that a little bit, and I, I discovered that their baskets then was different from our baskets today. Uh, we, may, we may have a, a basket uh, of fruit, apples or oranges or whatever, but their baskets in that day were huge. They were huge and they carried their stuff around in large baskets. But in that verse of Scripture, the word remained is the same Greek word as the word abound. And so all of this, the twelve baskets that remained, were over and above everything. And so that we learn that meaning of the word abound. Then if you'll turn on over in chapter number 25, chapter 25 of this book of Matthew, and in chapter 25, and uh, look with me in verse 29. And this is a, actually a verse that is a repeat of one that I've already read, but it bears this same truth out. For unto every one that uh, hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance to every one that hath. Let me ask you a question tonight. What, what is it that you could say that you have from the Lord? What is it you could say that you have from the Lord? That's a good thought. That's a good thought. You know, we sing that song every once in a while. Count your many blessings, name them o'er and o'er. And I'm sure that some of you agree with me that in as time has gone on and you've thought about those things that you've been blessed with by the Lord, as time has gone on, you've experienced them in, in abundance, even more in abundance. And that's the, way, that's the way God blesses us. If we've got it, and we know we've got it, and we're thankful for it, and we thank Him for it, He keeps on blessing us and keeps on giving those things. I have a little statement that I make every once in a while, and I made it, could have been today. I, you know, I don't remember what, what happened today or yesterday sometime. It just slides out, you know. But I made the remark that the best things in life are not things at all. Oh, we're thankful for them, aren't we? I'm thankful for my house I live in. I'm thankful for the car that I drive. I was telling Brother Moore a while ago, he was asking me about it, and I was telling him what kind of gas mileage that I get. And uh, I, I guess maybe, I don't know, but I guess uh, I've enjoyed that car about as good as any car I've ever had. I thank the Lord for that old car. Or it's not an old car. Well, it's a 17 model. I guess it might be. But I think it's the second favorite car that I've ever had and drove. You say, well, what was your favorite one? My favorite one is the one that Sue and I courted in. A 55 Chevrolet, two-door hardtop, four in the floor. <laughs> that was, I guess that was my favorite car. And I dreamed about it the other day. I'm serious. I, I've always hated that I sold that car. And... uh I dreamed that I was out somewhere and I saw that car. And I went up to the person that had it. It still looked just like it did when I, when I sold it and everything in my dream. 
And I was begging him, please sell that to me. <laughs> please sell that to me. But uh, the things that we can think of in life, and things, things are important, and we're thankful for things. I know we are. We thank God for them. But the best things in life are not really the things that we have. The best things in life are our friendships and our fellowships. I think I told Judy, I think it was this morning, I told her I, I, I loved her and she said, I love you too. And, and I said, I tell you what, it's sure good to be loved, isn't it? And she said, it sure is good to be loved. She said, if I ever get to feeling like nobody loves me, I'm going to call you and let you tell me again <laughs> that you love me. <laughs> but I'm serious about that. I mean, I, I don't have a lot in this world's goods. Uh, a matter of fact, I don't know, uh, uh, relatively speaking, I might have maybe a little less than average. I don't know. I don't even think about that stuff. But I tell you what, I am so thankful for all the things I have that's not things at all. I'm serious about that. And it's precious. So those things that we know God has blessed us with, and uh, He'll bless us even more when we're thankful for it. When we're thankful for it. And we ought to be humbled no matter who we are. And I, I tell this every once in a while. Uh, when I was 17 years old, I had not hardly been out of Estill County. I, I really don't remember ever being out of Estill County. Oh, I did, I did one time. I, I was on the track team and, and I could run faster than anybody else. And they sent, they sent me with the track team, Estill County High School track team to Richmond to uh, compete at their facilities over there. And I remember that. And I outrun them all. Now I can't hardly walk, but boy, I used to could run, you know. But anyway, uh, uh, I, 17 years old, and the recruiters come. It was military day or something. I don't know whether they still do that or not. Uh, there may be some prejudice against that kind of thing. They might not do it anymore. But <clears throat> I was always fascinated with the Navy, and I got to talking to the Navy recruiter, and I talked, and I talked, and I talked, and more the more I talked, the more I was interested. And I found out they had a delay program, and I was only 17 as a senior, and I found out that I could join the Navy at 17 if my daddy would sign for me. I rushed home. I said, oh, I want you to sign for me, daddy. And the Vietnam War, of course, was going on. And he said, son, I can't do that. I said, if I signed for you to join the Navy and something happened to you, I'd never get over it. So I thought about that a day or two and went back and told him. I said, now, Daddy, I'm perfect health and the draft's going on. And if you don't sign for me to join the Navy and I get drafted and then something happens to me and you didn't sign for me to join the Navy, you would never get over it. <laughs> he said, you bring the papers, son. I'll sign them. <laughs> and so... Uh, I hadn't hardly been out of Estill County, and, and, and I, I tell you, by the time I was 19, I had a patch that I could put on my uh, jacket, World Cruise. I had literally been around the world by the time I was 19 years old, and I got to be in so many countries and everything that I couldn't even tell you how many now, but I have so many good memories, and, and I was telling somebody, Forty-something years in the ministry, I've been all over the United States. 
Uh, I, I preached a revival meeting once in the uh, sign on the road before I got to the little town in the church I was going to preach in. It said, Cal- a California town, 600 miles. Now that's how far... Uh, I, now I've been to California, but in the ministry, I lack 600 miles making it all the way in the ministry. So I, I've had a lot of experience in life. And I, I tell this every once in a while. I've been in places where Folks, I'm telling you, some of the people I hear complaining, if they just went there, they would never complain again. There are places in this world where people are literally starving. There are places in this world I've been where I was told, don't eat any meat unless you don't mind eating dog or cat or something like that. I'm serious about that. And don't drink anything unless it's bottled. You can get really sick. And when you take a share, don't let none of it in your mouth. I'm serious. I, I mean, I could, I could tell you story after story. But I've really been blessed. I've really been blessed. I've been blessed. The Lord has helped me to evaluate the value of a lot of things. And uh, we're thankful, of course, when the Lord has blessed us with abundance and then blesses us with more abundance. Let me show you another one. This is in the book of Luke, and it's in uh, chapter number 15. If you want to turn there, and I'm, I'm using these, wor- these words to illustrate what that text verse meant. And in the 15th chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 15, and uh, it is in uh, verse 17. And this is a story that we know about. It's a story of the uh, prodigal son who wanted his inheritance. And his father gave him his inheritance. And he went out and he spent everything he had on riotous living. And he got in the awfulest state, an awfulest condition, and he was having to feed with the swine, the husks of the swine. And you know, it's amazing sometimes. I've known this. I suspected it to happen. Sometimes people are, are not thankful or whatever. And the Lord can let them get in a pretty bad state. Now, He does do that. Uh, I'm not saying that everything bad that happens to everybody is of the Lord. Well, I will say it in this sense. Everything that happens, God either sent it or He permitted it. I don't know whether you've ever thought about that or not. He's a sovereign God. And everything that happens, He either causes it or at least He permits it. Because he wouldn't have had to let it happen. But he does. He lets it happen or whatever. And oftentimes I think uh, people find themselves in a bad way in life. And it may be for our good when we are in a bad way in life. Sometimes it is. So this young man, he was in that awful state. And that awful condition. And it says... Uh, in verse 15, they went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and they sent him in the field to feed the swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, 
and no man gave unto him. He was in a bad way. And then in the 17th verse, it says this, And when he came to himself, isn't that something? When he came to himself. You ever been there? I've been there. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. And that word spare is the same word that is abound. In other words, what he was saying, they've got enough, and they got more than enough. Abound is, that's the meaning of that word. Let me give you another one in Romans in chapter number 15. In Romans chapter 15. And we find this one, uh, and this is a special one to me, and you, you may remember uh, from a little series that I preached a couple years ago, maybe a year ago, I can't remember. But in the 13th verse of Romans 15, it says this, Now the God of hope, does that mean that that's where it comes from? You better believe it does. The God of hope. Hope is a confident assurance related to those things that are yet future that we don't yet have. That's what hope is. So, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I was talking about things that we're blessed with that are not things at all. What about joy? What about joy that is such that we can't explain it? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. What about peace that we can't describe? Peace that passeth understanding. That's what the Bible talks about. And I want to tell you something. If you know the Lord tonight, these are things that we have that is given to us by Him. It is given to us. Sometimes, believers, we may neglect that. We may not think about that. We may get ourselves in a, in a condition where we're not rejoicing in those blessings that are promised us in the Bible. But he says, Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Oh, I'd ask you something. If, if hope is wonderful, and it is, what about hope that abounds? What about hope that overflows? What about hope that keeps growing and growing more and more? What about confident assurance in our relationship with the Lord that just gets to be more glorious as time goes on? Oh, listen, I, I preach this all the time. People think you can't know for sure if you're saved. Well, i got to tell you, if there's anybody that don't, you either have not come to that place yet or you don't have the same thing i got. Because I've got it. I've got it and the Lord gave it to me. I don't deserve it, but the Lord gave it to me. And He says that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. There it is. Now that verse of Scripture that I preached a series from is in the fourth verse of that chapter. You'll remember this, I'm sure. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope, might have hope. Now, I want you to know, this is my experience, that hope is a wonderful experience. It is a wonderful experience. And so, 
He said that you may abound in hope. Then in 1 Corinthians, I won't give you too many more, but I'm just impressed. In 1 Corinthians in chapter number 14, I'll give you another one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and in verse 12, and I quoted this one a while ago. Even so ye, for as much as you're zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. And that word excel is the same as the word abound. It just more than more than needed, more than enough. Excel. And so would we, do we need to uh, uh, pray for and attempt to excel uh, in edifying the church? I believe that. I, I believe that every member of Emmanuel Baptist Church ought to seek to excel to edify and build it up and build it up. And I want to tell you tonight, the Lord is pleased with that. The Lord is pleased with that. And then in the 15th chapter of this same book, turn over a page, and I, I love this passage of Scripture. I love the 15th chapter. I love it. It's just awesome. And I so many times over the years have used verses from this chapter because it talks about the resurrection uh, in committal services. And uh, I'll just pick up reading in verse 15. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. Strength of sin is the law. And verse 57, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. And then I'm just going to give you one more. I got more, but one of my favorite passages of Scripture is found in 2 Corinthians and chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. This is an awesome text. Now you know your pastor believes in supporting the church. He believes in giving of our tithes and our offerings for the Lord. And this is the context. He said in verse 6, Paul says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly, now talking about sowing and reaping, note this, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And then here's the verse. And this blesses my heart, blesses my heart. And God is able to make all grace abound. Now I know that we all feel the same way. We're thankful for God's grace. We know we're saved by grace through faith. We know that God's grace is effectual, that it continues to work in our life. And He is able to make all grace abound. There's that word abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God is eager to bless in that way. Now, I'll stop giving you Scripture texts because there's plenty of them. But I'll just remind you of what our text said. Paul was praying, and this I pray. 
that your love may abound yet more and more. Now I want to say just a little bit about that before, before we close. You know that I believe this. I preach it. I've experienced it in my own life. The motivation for a Christian is His love. We're faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because we love Him. That's just a fact. We're loyal to our church because we love it. Love is the motivator. Any who claim to be saved and are not faithful to the Lord, love is a problem. And this verse says that we can pray. And you know what? If the Lord were to lay somebody in our church family on your heart to pray for them, well, I don't know what to pray, you might say. How about taking this verse of Scripture and say, Lord, I pray that their love may abound yet more and more. And you can know that you're praying for something that's scriptural that you can pray for because it's right here in your Bible. That it may abound yet. And my prayer is for all of us, every one of us, that our love may abound yet more and more. Father, thank You. We praise You for inspiring the Apostle to put this in our Bible. We thank You for teaching us how that we can pray for our brothers and sisters in You. And Lord, I just pray that You'd help us all that we might say, Lord, lay some soul on my heart and I will take note how I can pray for them and we can know that we can do that. So bless us now as we come to the end of this service, sing this closing hymn. If there are commitments that need to be made, it's our prayer that this would be the time. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand with me as Brother Aaron leads us.